Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, we miss our college students today, don't we? They're at the campus retreat, so uh, they're going to be watching this recording later. So why don't we turn to the camera and say to our college students that are at the retreat, we miss you. Here you go. We miss you. And hi to everybody else out there online. You know, our, uh, our audience is growing, particularly for people that don't normally watch uh, our visitors in the Ustream. And our hope is that uh, this could be another way to reach people for God. And as you've seen, uh, today we're going to be uh, looking at part two of our series, Guardrails. And uh, the whole idea that we're looking at, and just to kind of review last week, we talked about with guardrails. Guardrails is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And as you can see, we have an actual guardrail right here from Caltrans. It's a real one, not Hollywood style. It took four, five of us to move it up here. But uh, the whole theory behind a guardrail, and this is why we're doing this series, is that it will do less damage to your car or your body and possibly your life than if you were to cross over to the other side of the guardrail. And one of the principles that we see in guardrails, and they're all around us, but they never set up a guardrail right next to the disaster. They set it a few feet back. And so technically, if you were to remove all the guardrails on our highway system here in California, you'd have more room to drive, right? You say, well, man, I, I could drive over there. It's accessible, but it would put you too close, cl- too close to danger. And so that's the idea. And so why we're studying this for us is we believe that if we set up as followers of Christ guardrails for ourselves, that means we can avoid the really bad stuff that can do our lives and the people around us that we love harm. And uh, our definition, as it pertains to guardrails, is this. A personal standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Do you know what a conscience is? Let's get a little uh, audience interaction here. What is, what is the conscience to you? Okay, go ahead and share. I'm sorry? A person's thinking. Okay. How about it, Drew? What's a conscience? State of mind. Your inner voice. It is a voice that speaks to you when you are doing something that you know is a little shaky. Right? A lot of us really need to hear that voice. And that's what we're talking about in this series. We want to sensitize our conscience. God gave us, that's what separates us from all other animals, mammals. We have a conscience. But too often what happens throughout life is we desensitize our conscience. We don't listen to our conscience. And we stuff our conscience. That's dangerous. Because God gave it to you as a gift. It's a warning sign. Just as your nerve endings let you know something's wrong. And so we want the, the goal of this, as we talk about marriage, dating, friendships, money, time, 
We want to set up these protective barriers to keep us from the disaster. And it is something that you're going to have to develop personal. As you see here, our definition, it's a personal standard of behavior. It's something that you have, not somebody has it for you. And that's not a good thing when other people have to think for you, feel for you. It's something God wants us to have our own barriers and to be able to think for ourselves because there's going to be many times you're on your own and you'll be vulnerable. And we want to encourage you through this series to develop for yourself a standard that becomes a matter of conscience. That's what I want to encourage you to do. Write things down. Talk about it. Where are you going to put those lines in your life? And trust me, after today, you're going to be very thankful that you did that. And after our series, you will be very thankful that you did that. Here's the, here's the prayer that, that Paul offered up in Philippians chapter 1 through this series. And uh, John Mammel was kind enough to share this verse with me. He says, you know, when I think about guardrails, this is the verse that comes to mind. And this is our heart. This is God's heart. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Well, why do we want to grow? Why do we want to have more love? It says it right here. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You know, it's my conviction. It's what the Bible teaches about. This life here on earth is just the beginning. There's a whole other life that's eternal that comes after this one. And this is in preparation for the next life. And it's important for us to grow and to learn and to become better people and to be prepared so that when the end of our life comes, we're ready and we're prepared and we will be blameless. And guardrails is a very important part of that because it's going to keep you from falling into dangerous areas that could do eternal harm to your life and your eternity. This isn't some cool little thing we're talking about in these next five weeks. This is something very important that could mean the difference between you living and dying and your eternity. And so this is, this is the heart that God has for us. He wants us to be able to discern. He wants us to be wise. In our culture that we live in today, it doesn't help us avoid disasters. To the contrary, if you pay careful, close attention to our culture, our culture will bait us closer to the edge and then chastise us for falling or failing. I'll give you an example. You know, credit. The world says, use credit. Take advantage of credit. We need credit. But the world will say, come and get some credit. Borrow money. It's good for the economy. Spend money. But they won't tell you. And they'll try to get you to cross over to the other side as close as possible. But then when your finances implode and you are at the point of disaster, the world chastises you. Why couldn't you figure this out? Why couldn't you consolidate your debt? And there are many avenues into this. The world baits us, but doesn't help us set up barriers, protective barriers. And the whole thinking, too, is that we have a Heavenly Father who cares about us. 
And His Word, His Word is what teaches us to develop these guardrails in our life. God's going to protect you from the bait, the temptation to go over the edge. And if you notice this, the world is going to call you in on many occasions and then give it to you when you fall. And you'll see a lot of people in the, in the headlines that get into this situation. So we need to resist the bait and set up our own barriers and limits when we get close to danger. And our conscience is a big part of that in helping us. And this is a question that I get a lot, and we even talked about it a little bit last week, is uh, how close can I get to sin without sinning? And people ask me and ask our elders and ask around in the church, so is this a sin? Is this considered a sin? And the Bible is very clear, but that's the wrong, that's the, the wrong question to ask. Is this a sin? But rather, where's the barrier that I can set up so that I won't sin? So that I can stay away from sin? And that, that's what we're dealing with in this whole series. And today we're going to be talking about friendships. Okay, and it's a very powerful thing. Friendships are awesome. And here is the title of our series today. Uh, it's coming up. But one last thing. Everyone would agree, everybody would agree, that over here, over here, there are very bad things. When you cross over too bad, there's not a person in the world that would disagree. Over there are really bad and disastrous things. But the question is, how are you going to draw the line or the guardrail? And then we're going to talk about this in the area of friendship today. So this is our theme today. Okay? Why can't we be friends? Okay, valid question. Why can't we be friends? All right? But today we're going to be talking about friendships. And last week we talked about where do they put guardrails. They set up guardrails on bridges. They set up guardrails on medians when you've got oncoming traffic. And on curvy roads when there's unforeseen danger. Right? Today we're going to be talking about a median because friendships, particularly if you are a person that wants to do right in this world, guess what the rest of the world is doing? If you're in the road to do what's right, guess what most of the rest of the world is doing that surrounds us? They're going the opposite direction. They're not focused on doing what's right. They're focused on how far can I go before it causes danger. And particularly in in work and school, you're going to see a lot of people baiting you to compromise. So in the same way with friendships, as we move close to people that are going in a different direction than we're going, morally, spiritually, We need to make sure that we set up guardrails. This could be your friends. This could be your posse. This could be your crew. This could be your amigos. Whoever they are. You need to be sure in life that you set up barriers, protective barriers, because what happens if there's no guardrail? Everybody's coming in this direction, and if you're not careful, they're going to suck you right in, and you're going to go with the crowd. And we're going to talk very vividly about that today. And so today, that's what we're going to be talking about is friendships. Friendships are awesome. They're a blessing. But because they're awesome, 
We understand. And, you know, when we were younger, our parents used to freak out about the kind of people we would hang around with. We had rules in my house and my parents, you know, they, they, they had rules and they, they, they spied a little bit. As I go through this series and as I'm, you know, focus on what my kids can do in this world, uh, I, I think they could have done a lot more. Because let me tell you, there were not very many guardrails when I was a kid. And it was dangerous living. But there were a few. I couldn't spend the night. And I remember some of my friends' parents would, would always be hovering to see what kind of person I was. I'll give you an example. There was this girl who, she was 13 years old, and she was a pitcher on a softball team. And she, uh, you know, befriended this guy who was 16. And in her mind, he was hot. Not only was he hot, he could drive. So here's a 13-year-old befriending and becoming a girlfriend of this 16-year-old guy. So what does mom do? Mom says, you know, to the guy, hey, listen, my daughter. And she watched this happen. She was pitching in a game. Her boyfriend was there in the front row watching the game. Mom comes around from behind the concession stand, comes up next to the guy, asks him to come behind the concession stand, talks to the guy behind the kid, and she knew what was going on the whole time. She broke up with, with him for her. And then he comes out behind. Mom doesn't come back, but the young man comes back, and he's kind of sad, obviously. But these are examples that parents are willing to go to great measures. They're parents that will move their kids if they get in wrong crowds. They'll move them from schools. They'll move them from cities. They'll do whatever it takes. Why are parents so freaked out about who we hang around with? It's kind of weird, right? Just wait till you become a parent. I find myself doing that. You know, I get a little overcautious. And today you're going to know exactly why. Because... There's a a tremendous power. Your friends influence the quality and the direction of your life. Who you hang around with. Who are your friends. And this, I want to make sure we understand this from the get-go. I am not talking to the teens in the house today. I'm talking to everybody. Because this friendship issue doesn't end when you're younger. It's all the way through, and we're going to see that clear. But your friendships determine the outcome of your life. Things that make friendships so great are what make them so dangerous. Why? Because when you're with friends, you drop your guard. There's a certain thing that gravitates us towards friendships. You know, and all of us are acceptance magnets. Everybody. No matter what culture, language, we're all, as human beings, acceptance magnets. We, we gravitate towards acceptance and we repel rejection. And we're always attracted to somebody that accepts us. So in a friendship, we find friends with people that do what? That accept us. That like us. And we'll hang around with those people. But what happens is something very powerful. When people accept you, that's when you're wide open to influence. Completely vulnerable to influence. 
and how people can influence your thinking. Acceptance leads to influence. And this is what is, you know, really dangerous about friendships because if you do not have the right friends, guess what? You're going to be misled. And you're going to be affected. And think about this. Remember all those firsts in your life as a young person? Uh, I'll give you a few examples. First time you smoked a cigarette. Were you alone when you did it? Nope. First time you did some of those bad things. Were you alone when you did them? Nope. For the most of us, and for the most part, when we did those bad things, guess who we were with? Our friends. Some of the worst things that I did as a teenager in my life were directly correlated to my friendships. That's how I got into doing stuff. And I remember very clearly as a young man, there was a rock band, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. They came from my neighborhood, the drummer. He came from my neighborhood. And I remember cruising on my bike, going down there, and this guy, uh, Stanley, was, he, uh, Stanley Lynch was his name. And he lived at the end of the street, and we would cruise down our bikes, me and my friends. We were probably 10 years old, and we knew bad things were going on in that house. There was loud rock music, and there was smoke coming from the house. Okay? And we would always, we would always park our bikes and listen to the music on the other side of the street. And we said, man, that's a bad house. Okay? Interesting enough, as time went on, became a fan of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and started doing the things that were going on in that house. All because of Influence, friendships, and put my life and the lives of my friends in great danger. And so all those first, we were never alone. So we have to be very careful and think about those things. And this principle works for all ages. Just because you're older, don't think that I'm, I'm immune and I know better. You know, we all are acceptance magnets. And we have to measure that out. And it can work for you or against you. And that's what we're going to talk about. This, this acceptance magnet, if you surround yourself with good people, positive influences, guess what happens? You will be positively influenced. And I'll give you a great example. Baptisms. Today we've got two, or yesterday, two young men in our campus ministry were baptized. And this happens in every baptism. When we have the people share in the back, what happens? What do they share? So-and-so met me. So-and-so studied the Bible with me. And I was headed in this direction, and because of their influence, because of their friendship, they helped me change my direction. They changed my whole life. Every single baptism that we see and we have seen and we will see is a demonstration of the power of influence for eternity. And that's an awesome thing. But the opposite can, can hold true. And we want to learn this lesson from the wisest man who ever lived. Anybody have an idea who the wisest man that ever lived is? Or was? Solomon. Why was he the wisest man? Because he received a gift from God directly of wisdom. Tremendous wisdom. To date, if you don't even matter if you're a believer in the Bible and God, you just read the book of Proverbs and you will have no argument. Man, this is good stuff. This is good stuff for business. This is good stuff for sports. 
I mean, this is wisdom. This is very powerful stuff. Because he had that gift. God gave it to him. And so he's going to teach us a very pivotal, powerful lesson about wisdom. Let's, let's look at this verse here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It'll be up on the screen. Look what it says here. It says, walk with the wise and become what? Become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Now we've seen this, right? You surround yourself with good people and what happens? You are positively influenced. And there's two things in this verse that it talks about. Number one is there's a promise. And it is a promise. Hang around wise people and what will happen? You will become wise. And we're going to talk about what wisdom is. We're going to break it down. You're going to know after today what is wise. There's also a warning. And the warning is, if you're a companion of fools, doesn't necessarily mean you're a fool. It means if you're just hanging around with them, you will suffer harm. And we know this. Because we know of so many situations and people that were at the wrong place at the wrong time, hanging with the wrong crew, And their lives were very negatively affected. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We want to to seize the promise and avoid the warning. And set up these guardrails in our lives. Now let's look at wisdom. What is wisdom from the point of view of the Scriptures? Wisdom is a person who understands that life is connected. Meaning this. What you do today affects what will happen tomorrow. Who are you and what you will become? They understand, a wise person understands that life is an investment. How I eat, how I walk, how I live, will have an effect on tomorrow. And it's it's, it's a continuum. You're here today in church because you believe and you know that if I make this investment... Later on, it's going to pay off. And if you listen today and you take what you hear today, I promise you that's going to happen. But that's somebody who's wise. They understand that life is connected. Everything's an investment. And what I do today, what I say, even what I eat, will have an effect on who I am and my health tomorrow. If I exercise It's an investment. It's connected. Everything is connected. Spiritually, if I reach out to God, that's going to have a positive effect on my life and who I am. That's wisdom. Wisdom is contagious. Isn't that awesome? It's contagious. If you surround your life with wise people, guess what? That's a promise. You will become wise. You say, well, I'm not a very smart person. It doesn't matter. If you hang around with wise people, people that know and understand that life is connected, guess what? You're going to start thinking like they do. And you're going to have a lot more depth. You're going to start thinking down the road of your life. The decisions that you make will affect what happens and where you're going. This is huge. The warning is, if you hang around fools, if you're in the company, or if you have companions that are fools... It's not that you'll become a fool. That's not the warning. Okay? You can still be a smart person. 
but your life will be negatively affected by that person. See, a fool is like a grenade, a live grenade. It could just be right over there, and you're standing next to that grenade, and it could go off at any time. And guess what grenades do? You know how they're made? They're made to send out shrapnel, pieces of metal. And that metal pierces like a bullet to kill and destroy. That's a fool, literally. And so if you're in the company, you don't have to be a fool, but if you're in their company, sooner or later, when their life implodes, guess it's going to affect? We know this. And we've seen this. So whenever you're around somebody that's not wise, and we're going to look at exactly what a fool is, you want to make sure there's a barrier between you and that person. Okay, and we're going to define what a fool is according to the Scriptures. And, and this is what sometimes we, uh, we do. We, we defend unhealthy relationships or unhealthy friendships in this way. Look what it says. It says, I, I will never do what they do, but you'll hang around them, right? I will never think the way they think, but you'll be around them. I'll never participate in the things that they participate in. You don't have to participate. You don't have to do what they do. And you don't have to think the way that they think. Just the fact that you're close to them, guess what's going to happen? Your life can be negatively affected. That's the warning that Solomon is giving us all. And that's why we want to be incredibly wise about who we choose and the crews that we hang around with, the posse that we, we ride with, we roll with. Okay? Whoever you is, your crew. You want to be very careful. Are these people wise or are they foolish? We're going to define that for you. And you can think, a lot of people think this way. They say, well, I'll be safe. I'll be safe. They can mess up their lives, but I'll be safe. Solomon says no. The wisest man on earth says no. You will suffer harm, is what Solomon says. And we've seen this over and over again. Even in our own church, brothers and sisters, we've seen this principle at work. There are members, there are kids that have been shot and injured. Children of our members have been at the wrong place, at a party, late at night, and been shot. There are members, children, that they were at the wrong place at the wrong time and they've been spent years in jail because of who they hung around with. And their life will be permanently affected from here forward. I want to introduce you to somebody. This is the most graphic example I can talk about, but it's very sobering. His name is Paolo Vasquez, son of Brenda Vasquez. She's a member of the Central Region. This is a photograph of Paolo at his senior prom with his girlfriend. He was born on July 16, 1989. 21 years old, would have been today. He, uh, he worked as a DJ at different parties, hip-hop parties. And you can argue all day long, you know, well, that's cool and parties and this and that and the other. Another uh, important thing to know about Paulo is he, uh, he was a kingdom kid. He grew up in our church. He was down, you know, like 
we have downstairs, he would go to the classes and receive the same teaching that our kids are receiving this morning. He went to preteen camp. You can do the math. About seven, eight, nine years ago, he's at preteen camp. He won awards at preteen camp for memorizing and remembering Scripture. But last year, tragically, at a party that he was attending, he was standing at the wrong place at the wrong time. Been at so many parties before, but some gangbangers came in, were looking for someone that they wanted to take out and kill. He was standing next to the guy they wanted to kill. Shot at the guy, missed, hit him, killed him instantly. 20 years old. Tragedy. I spoke with Brenda yesterday about this lesson, about this series. And I appreciated her faith. Because she said, I want Paolo's life to serve as for something good. And I know God can do that. He can take something tragic and He can make it good. But I want to say this to parents today in the audience. If you were unwise about guardrails, and I asked her, I said, what, what did you learn? He said, she said, I, I, I probably should have set up guardrails for my son. I should have been more careful. Who he was hanging around with and the crowd that he was running with. From a very early age. Because see, this all started in early years in high school. Who he was running with. It's a tragic example. Someone who died too soon. And this was directly correlated. And here you have a young man, this young boy. He lost his older brother who he needed as a friend and as a guide in his life. And a single mom who misses her son because of choices. And so I want to encourage you parents, help your kids make right choices. And you do whatever you have to do as a parent to protect your children from harm's way. It may seem freaky. It may seem weird. It may seem over the top. But sometimes young people don't understand the seriousness of who you run with and where you are. This isn't a game. You get one shot at life. And then it's over. And we know this. There are people that don't walk. Because they jumped in a car with somebody who was drunk. They weren't drunk. They were in the car with somebody who was drunk. And they lost their ability to walk for the rest of their lives. See, what makes friendship so awesome also makes friendship so dangerous. And that's what we want to talk about. And, if, you know, for, for our younger crowd here, for the single crowd, you know, this is why parents get so freaked out and so scared. Just like our Heavenly Father wants no harm to come to our lives. He tries as hard as He can to instruct us, to teach us. He sends people. He sends positive influence in our lives. If you're visiting here to us today, it's not a coincidence. Somebody wanted to influence your life for good. And we, as disciples, always need to try to influence people around us for good. 
Because we are the hand of God trying to help people make better decisions about what they will do with their lives. How they will live. So the disaster, so they won't go over the edge and suffer harm. And it may not be them, but it may be their children. And it may be family members. But this should put a healthy fear in all of us. The power of friendship. Alright, let's deal with this. What is a fool? Okay, what is a fool? It's not somebody with crazy eyes. Okay? On the outside, a fool looks normal. Here's how it's defined. It is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong, but they don't care. That's a fool, as the Bible defines it. You know, you walk up to a person and, who's a fool and you say, Hey, don't you know what you're doing is wrong? Yeah, I know. But I don't care. Doesn't bother me. But listen, what you're going to do, it's going to have a negative effect. It's going gonna, it's gonna to harm you. You're going to affect yourself and other people. You go, no, I don't think so. I'll be okay. That's a fool. That's a person who's a fool. And I hope there's no fools in the house today. Okay? I'm not calling you a fool. The Bible is describing it. If you know what's right and what's wrong, and you don't care, it doesn't bother you. And probably we live in a generation today where people are careless. They reject that things are connected. It's the polar opposite of wisdom. See, they they believe that what I do today has no consequence, no effect, no ramification on tomorrow. I can do whatever I want. I'm free. I can act, I can say whatever I want today because there's no problem, there's no tomorrow. Don't worry so much. And this is what happens until it's too late. Not only do they affect themselves, but they affect other people. And if you have friends that don't care about what's right or wrong and the consequence, and they don't care about their lives, do you think they're going to care about your life? If you have friends that don't care about their marriage, don't protect, don't take care, don't educate, don't grow in their marriage, they're careless about their marriage, carefree about their marriage, do you think they're going to care about your marriage? If you befriend people that don't care about money and the effect that it can have on you negatively, do you think they're going to care about your money? And this goes on and on and on. People who don't care about their kids and they're your friends, do you think they're going to be concerned with your kids? And this is serious business for us. And to think about this, it says here, the companion of people who are careless will suffer the consequences of their behavior. And probably today, do you have any faces in mind as you're thinking here and hearing this lesson? People that you know? who are careless about their lives, the future of their lives, I want to encourage you today to make some decisions. Where are you going to set this up? How far are you going to walk with these people? Do you need to be another casualty of their lives and their carelessness? And in my younger years, I was a fool. And I walked with fools. And many of them and me suffered disaster. As I told you last week, three of my 
closest friends lost their lives as teens because we were foolish. And so think about this. And these people will affect the best of us. And we're going to look at a passage that talks about this. People of character, people of morals, great families. Why? Because they got too close to the bomb. They got too close to the, to the explosion or the implosion. And look, look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Look what this verse says. Great memory verse. Easy to remember. It says, do not be misled. Why? Why did Paul say that? Because it's easy to be misled. You can think because I'm, I'm me and them, they're them, I don't have to worry. I can hang around with these people and still be me. No, you don't. Look at what he says. Don't be misled. He says, bad company corrupts what? Good character. I'm talking about good people. As I mentioned, our example, Paulo, he started out with good character. In fact, one of the qualities that Brenda shared with me is he had a sense of morality, but lost his way. He even shared the night of that party that he felt a little uncomfortable that night. There was a voice in him that was saying, maybe we need to leave. But what did he do to that voice? He didn't listen. That's haunting. I want to exercise you. I want to encourage you to exercise and listen to the voice. I'm not talking about being paranoid all the time. You're scared everywhere you go. and Oh, what's going to happen? And everything. I'm not talking about that. Trust me. We are, we are not a society that's thinking like that. We are careless. We are unwise. And that's why we need this. This is why we need this teaching. And so I would like to offer you today, and this is kind of where we're going to land in our lesson, is some guardrails. They're opinions. But let me share this. They're educated opinions. These are opinions of, of a lot of experience of being over there and being over here and watching a lot of people over there and over here. And so I want to sh- share these with you. There are five guardrails that I, or indicators of your conscience that I want to share with you today. If you take these things and nobody regrets ever setting up a guardrail in their life, they always regret not having them. So here we go. Are you ready? Number one. Your conscience should light up when your core group or your posse or your amigos or your crew, when your core group is not moving in the direction you want your life to move in. When you sense that difference of direction, you're going this way and you want to go this way with your life and your crew is moving in the opposite direction. Your conscience needs to light up and say, hey, I I need to set up some kind of barrier here. There needs to be something between me and them. And you should be concerned and do something about it. 
Choose your friends differently. But then there's always that argument. But they're my friends. It's who I hang around with. It's the people that I like. Let me tell you, you're going to like a lot of people in your life. Nothing, nothing is worth, worth going over there. Nobody in this world, I don't care how awesome they are. Even if you got to be best friends with Miley Cyrus. Okay. Or, or what's his name, the young man? Justin Bieber. Man, if I could just hang with... Listen, if he's taking you over there, you don't want to be his friend. Because a lot of these people, their lives are imploding. And if not yet, they will implode. And you don't want a piece of that. You don't want any part of that. It's not worth it. And you don't want your family feel the tragedy also. That's the collateral damage. So, when your core group is moving in a different direction, you need to think about it. Your conscience should light up. Number two. Uh, Or the solution to number one is get connected with people that are moving in the same direction that you are. You know, we're not a church of rows. I know we're seated in rows tonight, or today. But we're we're, we're a church of circles. But my concern is we've got some independent operators, and I've said this before, that are not connected to their faith group or their small group. That's dangerous. We need people in our lives. You think you can just kind of cruise around out there? You will be, you'll be led. Like I said, we are magnets of acceptance. Better to surround yourself with quality people than number two. Your conscience should light up when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. Ever notice that? There's people that tell us. You know, when you go with those people and come back, you act different. You're not the same. You're not who you really are. If you find yourself pretending in certain groups and acting a certain way in those groups, that's dangerous business. And we need people close to us to give us that frame of reference. And you know who you are. You know the type of person. You know your core values. You know who you want to become. And that's one of the things that dawned on me when I was studying the Bible. I'm not heading in the right direction. This is who I want to become. When I read about the Bible and what God was teaching me, I said, this is who I want to be. This is the life. I want to be a loving person. I want to be a person of character, of morals, of standards. And it's not where the world's leading me. And so my conscience started to come alive. And then number three. Your conscience should light up when you feel pressure to compromise what you believe is right. When that temptation, when you're just thinking about, well, maybe I should try it, then I can say, I know what it's like if. That's, that's so dangerous. Your conscience needs to light up when you're even feeling that it's a live option to try something that you know is wrong. Your conscience needs to light up. And you need to distance yourself. You need to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm bumping, I'm bumping up against the guardrail here. And when you begin to consider the possibility of trying something that you've always believed is wrong, it needs to light up your conscience. Number four, your conscience needs to light up when you hear yourself say, I will go, but I won't participate. I will go, but I won't participate. 
And then you end up, you, you fill in the blank here. I'm not going to, I won't participate in, and so many people, they go to these, these, these parties or these things and they say, I'll go, but I'm not gonna roll, I'm not gonna roll with all those people. I'm not gonna be involved with them. I just wanna go because everybody's going. It only takes once for the grenade to go off. And number five, the last one. Your conscience should light up when you hope the people you care about the most don't find out where you are or who you've been with. You know that feeling? You ever had that feeling? Oh man, I hope nobody knows I'm here. And I hope nobody knows where I am. And you fear being caught. You feel getting... And let me just say this. This isn't about kids, guys. Brothers, sisters, well on in years. You know what I'm talking about? What if I get found out? If you even start to think like that, that's your, that should light up your conscience. I, I am in the wrong place doing the wrong thing with the wrong people. I need to get out of here. Listen to your conscience. And then the other thing, too, is you start preparing a defense in case you get caught. Well, well I, you know, I, I was just here, but really wasn't here. And, you know, I got kind of invited and it just happened. And, I, you know. And you start preparing your defense as a lawyer for when the judge and the hearing comes. It's very serious business. And in closing, we're going to talk about this because this is huge. The, com- the compassion issue. I know I've been, as I've been talking about this a lot, you say, well, where's the compassion? You know, we need to be the ones that love those people over there and pull them out. We need to help those people. Let me say this. Our church has always been built on compassion for the lost and helping them get saved. And we will never change that. But a very interesting uh, principle here is never confuse compassion with wisdom. Never get those confused. Compassion will never require you to make bad decisions about yourself and the people you hang around with. Compassion will never put you at risk. And let me say this. When you say no, people know where you are and where you stand. And the best favor we can do for people sometimes is to distance ourselves. The most compassion you can express to someone is to distance yourself from them. Because they get the memo. He or she is pulling back from me because of a moral issue. And they may criticize you and they may say, ah, yeah, he's a holy roller and he always, and she, you know, if if he just comes along, they're going to quote a scripture or something and, you know, it's always going to be the same. Don't even ask him. Don't even ask her to come along. He's going to say no. But when you're standing over here, and that person who you know, whose life implodes, who do they come to for help? They come crawling back under the guardrail on their hands and knees saying, can you help me out? I respect you. You know what's going on. Will you study the Bible with me? 
That was me crawling out under the guardrail at 21 years old. Saying I'd had enough. I had enough disaster. had enough carnage. And my brother-in-law never had to participate in any of my craziness or get too close to any of my craziness to have compassion on me. In fact, his distance was a constant reminder. Here's the line. Come on over here would be with me if you want to get things right. Whenever you find, well, you know, I want to reach out to him. If it's a girl and a guy, I want to help him. And if I don't befriend him, guess what you're doing? You are lying to yourself. You know what you're doing. Let's get honest. You're putting yourself in harm's way. If it's a guy with a girl, well, you know, I I just want to reach out. I want to show some compassion. And, And Jesus walked with the sinners. Jesus hung out with sinful people. Hey, let me tell you, you're not Jesus. And Jesus never, ever put himself in harm's way. He was sinless. He always had plenty of this. Between him and the bad people. And guess where they came when they needed help? To the other side. Jesus never crossed over to help the lost. This is a big deal today. And the best thing, as I shared, you can do for some people sometimes is distance yourself from them. Today, if you choose to do nothing about what you've heard, let's just go ahead and walk this out. I bet, I bet that one year from now, you will wish you would have done something today. You will wish that you could come back in time to this day, right here, October 24th, 2010. You will wish that you could come right back here, sitting where you're sitting, hearing the lesson that you're hearing, and say, you know what? I should have done something about it. I bet that will happen. But let's, let's play a little game here. Let's pretend. Okay, you like to pretend? I like to pretend sometimes. Let's pretend. It's one year later. Okay? It's one year later. And you're like, your life is messed up and you got caught, you got found out, and your, your life, your marriage, your, your, your things are coming apart for you. They are coming undone. And you feel awful inside. And you're saying to yourself over and over again, what an idiot. If I had just listened, and it's one year from now, and you know, and you start hearing that Wizard of Oz voice, and, and, and then the magic fairy comes along and says, if you just click your, your slippers three times, I'll take you back in time, and you'll be right here. And you'll go, whoa! Like all those movies, right? They always go back in time and they're saved. It never happened. Let's play that game today. You get to come back in time. And you get to make some choices. You get to put up these guardrails that are going to set you up for success. You know, and as we uh, talk about this today, 
There's a lot of people that I know that would have loved to have another shot. You get a shot today. You get another chance. I want to encourage you not to waste it. Don't blow this. When we talk about friendships, be wise. And in conclusion, John 15, verse 13. Who's the greatest friend you will ever have? Jesus says here in John 15, verse 13, He says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. There's no greater friend than Jesus. And now we're going to take the communion, and it's a reminder. Your friend died for you. And look what he died for. Look what, what, look what he says here. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Meaning, you listen to what Jesus says, and you take heart, and you say, this is what I'm going to do with my life. Because no friend's ever accepted me. Remember acceptance? We want it. We need it. We're drawn to it. Jesus accepts us. At our worst moment in life, He accepts us. He says, I forgive you, and I'm going to give you another shot. I no longer call you servants. No top-down stuff. But servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You know what I appreciate so much about being a disciple is I get to know stuff that people have no idea about. This whole issue of friendship, I wish, I wish someone could have taught this to me at a young age. But I'm so glad I got it now because I can make good choices. There's people out there, they have no idea what we're talking about today. They are walking around waiting for disaster, ready to be misled. Jesus says, no, 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 you're my friend. Hey, come over here. Let's talk. Let me share some things with you. Let me give you some secrets about life. Let me show you the deepest wisdom there is about friends, about having life with meaning, with with something, how to raise children, how to have a great marriage, how to have a great family, how to do this thing right. I want to share it with you. And he would die for me on top of that. So today as we take the communion, I really want you to think about friendship. You have a friend. And we're going to pass around a plate that is a reminder of his sacrifice. His body, his blood were poured out for you, his friend. Let's pray. God and Father, we're so thankful.